Welcome to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. I'm Isabel, your host and founder and firebrand of The Uprising Spark, a digital platform that offers life coaching products and services for modern, independent, child-free women. Our aim is to build a strong female community and to connect empowered women around the globe. Hello, Firecrackers, and welcome to a special episode of The Honest Uproar. I have very two special guests with me today. Uh, so we have Kristen Setsi here. She is the author of The Age of the Child. And we also have Lenora Faye. She is the bitchy bookkeeper and also the creator of Child Free Journals. We are the three founding non-mothers of Child Free Girls. And I talk to these girls every single day, but I can't get enough of them. So I just wanted to introduce you to them. And uh, how are you doing, girls? Good. Wonderful. Yeah, it's okay. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't trying to top you. I was just trying to <laughs> So uh, it's nice to see you again. Like we see each other and we talk like every single day, haven't like, mm-hmm. Seriously. Up until five minutes ago, we were chatting. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's been so much fun to build this um, Child Free Girls brand with you guys. How, how have you guys been feeling about it? I want to hear your thoughts. I love it. It has fired me up um, to the other things I'm working on as well. It's been a really fantastic addition because I've never collaborated before. Like, not really. Like, even during my days as a musician, you know, the odd time I would meet another artist and we would maybe do something small, but I've never in my life had an honest to goodness collaboration before. So, you know, I went in with no expectations and it's kind of exceeded everything I imagined it would be just how inspired I feel creatively and bouncing ideas off of each other and and just the flow of it. Like it's really, it's added, it's added a lot just to my daily life. And I wake up at six o'clock in the morning now. Which is very unusual because, you know, Chris is on is two hours ahead of me and she's up really early. So three o'clock in the morning I'm getting a message. <laughs> so I have to like by six I have to be kind of alert. So uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of changed my life actually in a good wow. way. Awesome. I have two friends here who would probably say that their first text is always gonna be from me because for some reason, I just wake up at 4.30. And then so by 5 o'clock, I feel really awake. And I think, well, surely everyone else is awake. I can text now. Uh, <laughs> but hopefully everybody uses Do Not Disturb. <laughs> the way I do. Um, this has been, I've partnered with two people before. One went really well. Um, and that was just kind of, that was just a website. And it was, its uh, purpose was to draw attention to military families and, and tell the stories of the people left at home during wartime. That went really well. And then there was another attempted collaboration with a writer. Uh, I had written a screenplay and she was interested in turning it into a novel. And I thought, hey, that's great, you know, because then both of our names will be on it. It'll, it'll actually go somewhere and do something. Because with a screenplay, it's really hard to try to sell that. Um, and that did not go well. Um, when this came up, I had no fears. At, I'm not someone who really ponders decisions. I'm pretty much just kind of just decide immediately. It's an instinct thing which is either good or bad, I don't know. I have a friend who will seriously take a year to decide something, and, and that just makes me feel anxious. It's like, oh, my God. She's, a real, I mean, she's just very careful, and I, I respect that. I just don't get it. But I wasn't scared about this at all. And if I had, you know how people say that if people thought really long and hard about having kids before they did it, a lot of people probably wouldn't do it. 
And I think the same can be said for any kind of collaboration. Like if you think too hard about all the things that could possibly go wrong, you're probably not going to do it because things probably do have potential with the wrong mix of people to get really ugly. Um, But I'm happy to say that this has been absolutely fun and energizing and it's gotten me back. I was just kind of down for a while with writing and other stuff. And I wasn't excited to wake up in the morning at all. And now kind of like Lenora, I'm just, I'm waking up early and I'm just, unable to stop. I mean, I'll, I'll force myself to lay in bed for half an hour and then I'm finally just off. That's That's awesome. For me, it's also been a a really great experience. There's two things that I, okay. So the first thing is this is my first collaboration and I have been just, you know, been feeding off this in the positive way and also putting a lot into this. And it has also helped me creatively in my, you know, in the Uprising Spark and also the Honest Opera. And I really like it. Uh, I think we have a very good chemistry, three of us in general. Like we just make things happen. That That's so yeah. strange. Like you were saying, I also have a bunch of friends who are like, oh, let me think about it. And you're like, no, no, don't think too much. Um, and with you guys, it's like, do you like this? Do you like this? Yes, no. And then it's done basically. So, yeah. you know, getting things done faster, uh, just to put our, our thoughts out there, just it's it's been a, a, a great experience. And also sharing things with other childhood people. I don't have many childhood friends. I don't, I only have one childhood friend here and I barely see her. So, um, you know, just sharing that because that's the one thing that we have in common has been a lot of fun. So girls, um, I think we talked about this in the episode zero or the first episode that we did for child free girls, but what is it that is fueling your passion for this? Why do you want to put your voice out there? Why is it important? Well, I'm a very vocal person. And again, this topic has fired me up so much that it seems wrong for me just to sit quiet with it. So of course, I was doing my blog and creating the journals and all that kind of came about at the same time. Well, I've been writing a year before I met you guys, you two. And then in the last few months, everything has really amplified. And Suddenly I realized I was getting these opportunities to really take it to the next level. And because I was so passionate and basically vibrating in my house, I didn't quite feel like I was, I'm still finding my writing voice and my strongest asset is my speak, like being able just to speak my thoughts. So it's all just, all this, all these opportunities came and I thought, well, why not? Because I want to do this anyway. And yes, I'm not the most comfortable doing a video, but it's about the message. So, and this message is super important to me. So it just felt right. And like Chris said, I didn't, I had no reservations about doing it either. Like working with you two, um, because you both have proven that you get things done. You know, you like Isabel, you have your, your, your uh, coaching business and you have your podcast and Kristen's published books. So, I mean, there's proof that things have been done. And I'm a person that you know, when the idea is there, I just want to take it as far as we'll go right now with what I have, like forget waiting a year. Like I need to just, let's just move forward with it. So it all felt really good to do. And because it's perfectly aligned with the message I want out there, as far as, you know, living a positive child-free life, it just, I feel no barriers whatsoever to do this. And I know what it's like to feel barriers towards something. So when I feel like there's a freak, it's not that we don't have obstacles, but we seem to tackle those pretty quick. So, you know, like that for me, that's like clear indication that all of my energy, all of my passion, it does not take away from everything else I'm doing. It just, it meshes so well with everything else. 
And I cannot really think of a, another experience I've had in my life that has been like this. So I'm just completely 100% focused on it. And it brings me energy instead of depletes me. So right there is a sign that it's meant for me. I'm meant to do this. I think since I, I, very, I knew very little about Lenora before this started, and that Isabella knew nothing about you except I had listened to one of your, like one of your first uh, Honest Uproar podcasts or episodes. Had I had I already known it would be like this, I would have been thrilled just for this, just for all of these interactions we have. But I didn't. So what I was interested in, or the reason this is was important to me to do, was because it's it's the message, I guess. I mean, the whole reason I wrote The Age of the Child was because I'm really, really irritated, enraged, I should say, by the hypocrisy of people who claim to love children so much that they want more of them to be born, but they don't care so much about what conditions they're born into, whether they're born to people who want them. And you think about you think about the potential a life has when it's on this planet. And it's just kind of distressing if you think about there's one scene in The Age of the Child where a child is abused and we don't know what happens. None of the details are there. You're just supposed to know it's really bad. And when I was writing that, I was thinking about the worst story I had read in the newspaper about abuse. And it's something I've never been able to let go of. And this was done to a, like just a, just a small person, you know, a small, innocent person, utterly defenseless. And when you think about what that does, well, this child died, but uh, when you think about what abuse does, whether it's mental or physical, and physical is both physical and mental, how that shapes an entire life and how that one precious opportunity you're given to live can be so utterly destroyed in the first couple of years. It's just, it really drives me crazy. (laughs) Um, And it also drives me crazy to think that people ruin their own lives or they take paths for their own lives that they that make them unhappy because they feel like they have to, you know, I mean, if I had had kids when I was 19, I was married the first time at 19. And if I had had a kid with that guy, I would have set my whole life up in that one act. Like I would have, he would have been in my life forever because of that child. And the child would have been in my life forever, you know, and I would have had a completely different life. And it was one I didn't want. And I, and I, that's also depressing to me. And it's depressing that other people do that. So if there's any possible way I can be a part of discouraging people from having kids they don't want. Um, the overarching message that I'm really interested in is we, our societies are all pretty much at this whole world society is having children is a given. Having children is natural. It's what we all do. And I think that's why when people who don't want children find themselves pregnant or when people want to cut off birth control for people who don't want kids, because it's so assumed that everyone has and wants kids, they don't recognize it as a problem to have what you don't want. They don't, they, it doesn't register to them that that could possibly be traumatic. And I would really like the conversation at some point on this planet to go from children are a given to sure, children are an option. Let's take a couple of years and think about that because of all of these possible problems that could arise in your life and this child's life. Yeah. Everything that you said, that's the thing. I think that we all resonate with the same things, with the same subjects, and we're passionate with, you know, very similar things about being child-free. And it is definitely, for me, the one thing that has been very eye-opening since I started down this path, to find all of these child-free women who didn't know they had a choice. Seriously. And that happened to me, too. It's, it's, it just blows my mind. Like, how would you not know that you have a choice? 
and also for something so important as it is to become a mother, right? And just putting the message out there to just you know, let other people know that they have a choice. And if they want to become parents because they have thought about it and that's what they want and they have, you know, see the pros and the cons and they're really willing to put in the work and the energy and the time, that's cool, you know, be a parent. But some people should, you know, really have a think before they have children because some people, and I'm including myself, we just don't have something, we're missing something, or there's something that we need that we don't have, we can't have to be able to be good parents. And that would be a desire, right? Because I don't want anyone to misunderstand and think that we are lacking some kind of empathy, compassion, whatever. It's because I'm pretty sure if I had a kid, I'd be a fantastic mother. I'd be frantic, frantic and anxious and worried all the time. But I mean, I'm not missing the ability to care for a child. I'm missing the desire to care for a child. I mean, I hope that, is that what you're missing? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, for, I would agree. that's what I wanted to say too, because, you know, I'm an aunt. I love my nephews, but I don't love the idea of being a caregiver. I don't love kids in my house 24 seven. Like I live alone. I am unsure that I will have a life partner who lives in my house because I've always just wanted to live by myself. It's just more creatively energizing for me. And that is that my desire is to be an entertainer. My desire is to do many other things and somehow help humanity without being a mother. I have zero desire to be a mother. And Mm -hmm. I only ever thought it was, you had to do it. You know, if I said anything to my friends as a kid, it was because I thought, well, all women become mothers. You know, I knew a few that didn't, but they were ministers, like in the religion I grew up in. So you know, there wasn't an option to not have kids, you know, so it's, it's the lack of desire. For me, it's a lack of desire. It's, and, and to a degree, something that I've inherited from previous generations is that, you know, there's been a lot of children, but not a lot of empathy towards the kids. So I think, you know, there's, there's a little bit of that as far like, I would never wish harm on a child. I just, there's just something like, I, I, I don't want to care. Like, I don't want to care for people. I care about people, but I am not a caregiver. I'm just naturally not inclined to that role. And I would not be happy in that role. Yes, I could physically do it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. would that bring me joy? Would that bring me peace? Would that bring me a sense of accomplishment? No, it wouldn't. You know, I have my nephews for like six days in a row. Love it. I can't do anything else but focus on them. I don't want to do anything else but focus on them. But do I want to make that my life for the next 20 years or beyond? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. And everyone, I mean, all the people who have made the decision to become child-free have done it. Usually it's more than one reason. And of course there is the desire not to become a parent. In my case, I just really value my freedom a lot. And we've spoken about this before, you know, just to be able to do whatever I want, whenever I want, and not having another human being depend on me but also in my specific case, and maybe I have not mentioned this before, um, which was also part of the reason why I wanted, well, part of the reason, I would say one of the reasons that I just, when I realized that I was, I wanted to live a, a child-free lifestyle, for me, it was like, the light bulb just went up. I was like, yes, that's exactly what I want to do. And it is that I suffer from anxiety and depression. And I have my ups and downs, like every other person who suffers from, you know, mental, mental or emotional illnesses. But the moments in which I'm in my downs, I can't even take care of myself, let alone another human being. Like my dog suffers every time I'm in my downs. I have to take him to my parents' house. You know, it's so that's not fair with another human being. It's not that I want to become a mom. Even if I wanted to, I wouldn't just because I know I wouldn't be able to take care of that child properly. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
that's what I meant in and my specific we've, we've also discussed before, Chris, you brought it up in previous episodes where, you know, there are many ways to uh, be involved in children's lives, you know, like whether it's, you know, like mentorship or, you know, here in Canada, we have the Boys and Girls Club or we have Big Brothers, Big Sisters, you know, like there's, if that's you, know, what you, want, uh, you know, like if you, if you want to be a part of a child's life, if you don't have nieces or nephews or whatever, and you, you are a child-free person that does like kids, but doesn't want to have your own like there's there's ways of or even creating things that like my biggest thing is creating something that future generations will use after I'm gone for me that makes me more happy and enthusiastic and willing to get up in the morning early to create something that will be potentially be around longer than I am you want to leave a legacy exactly because there's many ways of yeah I mean I sure absolutely you know and people the general consensus is the only way to do that is to have your own kids. And for a lot of people, that's the only way they will leave something behind is because they just don't pursue anything else but that. Mm. Or we're not really taught to either. You know, some of us are like naturally artistic. And I mean, I was born this way. So for me to not do anything creative just seems wrong. But a lot of people aren't like that. And that's fine. You know, everyone has different roles in life. So yeah, absolutely. You no, know, I just, uh, there are so, for me, there are so many different ways to affect. Because I'm not an anti-natalist, was it anti-natalist, anti-natalist? Yeah. Like I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not that extreme. So I do believe that there will be future generations. And for me to leave something for them to use long after I'm gone that helps them make their own decisions, for me, that makes me more happy than birthing children. Yeah, I think it's going to be very important as well for future generations to have but because they're going to have more access to information, right? So for them to be able to see different sides of the same situation, I would say, and also think about having kids in, in, in the macro sense of having kids. Because you see parents, when they think about having kids, they don't really think about anything else but themselves. You know, the joy of having a child, mm-hmm. the you know bundle of joy, the miracle. We call it a miracle in Spanish, by the way. That's a miracle. Uh, <laughs> bringing a baby home and, you know, and, and it's going to make the family so happy. But I would say that most people who are parents don't think about what the impact on the environment is going to be. They don't think about what the impact in, like, socially speaking or in, in, in just in the economics of, of the world is going to be. There's a lot of problems right now. And the fact that we're a lot more every day, like humanity just, we're growing exponentially. This is, is going to make things worse. I think. What if they think um, I'm a good person? My spouse is a, my my partner is a good person, and we think we can bring something into the world that will help make the world a better place. Like, well, we're too old to to do make change because we're 28, and we have no time left to do anything. We've got to create a kid so they can do it. <laughs> so maybe they think you know there's so much bad in the world that if we put our positive you know, injection into it, it'll, it'll just get better. Well, I think that's valid if they think about it, but most parents mm-hmm. don't. <laughs> that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, think they about just think, it. I want baby. yeah, I want a baby. I want to become a mom. Yeah. I want to become a dad. That's all. Yeah. They yeah. don't really go further than there. And, and in countries that are underdeveloped, like my country or countries in Africa or countries in Latin America or Asia, people just go mindlessly popping out babies. Just, you know, you see families with nine kids, 10 kids. They start very young. They start having babies when they're 15 or 16. So that's the kind of people that I would like to have an impact in as well. You know, people who have less access to information, yeah. less access to education, 
So how do we get to them? Well, that that's something, as you were saying, and even earlier, I had this thought, yeah, that that is a big goal for me, whether it's through this journals or bitchy bookkeeper, whatever, or inspiring somebody else who's doing has a child free brand is it's the it's the people in power, like the people uh, it's reaching people in those countries. It's reaching even people in the States like Canada. We're I'm not going to say we're pretty good, but I mean, like, we're, you know, we've got free health care and birth control and abortion is legal. And we're, you know, like, I, I would rather be here than certain other places in the world. Let's put it that way, as far as being a child free woman. But that is a big thing that I want to do uh, somehow is to, yeah, to bring that awareness. Like, look, this is what's possible when you educate women, when you provide them with, with reliable birth control options, when you let them know that they have full rights over their bodies like that. Think of how the three of us have benefited in our own individual circumstances, having that knowledge, the power that we have, just the three of us to rule our own lives in the best way that we can with what we have if that is available if women everywhere know that and we're and they're starting to but but really if they really get that especially when it comes to the procreation theme that changes a lot and i know it creates a lot of fear for a lot of like religious groups in certain you know places around the world where family is the only way you know i that that is it's a big it creates a big wave but it's so important because we understand the power each of us has individually. And as more women get that, that changes everything. There's a lot of battles to get to those people because it's, it's fear-based. Uh, not our, from our perspective, but from those that are against us or our ideas, right? Because it changes so much. It changes uh, what society thinks. And there's a lot of money to be made from parents, <laughs> You know, like <laughs> there's a lot of money involved when it comes to promoting everything under the sun, like promoting the family lifestyle. Well, yeah. Companies, that's how they make their money is by targeting families. So it's kind of daunting when you think about it. But it, for me, it's a big deal to reach, to get that message out there that, you know, options are available. And the more women know that, you know, that's, that's powerful to me. You're listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. I was thinking about uh, yesterday, I was Googling something, I was looking for something, um, and you know, what ended up in the search were links to all these articles about women here choosing to be child-free, child-free women here, more women choosing not to have children. So if this is like it sounds from the looks of it it seems like it's becoming pretty mainstream do you think it is or do you think like and this is a terrible question to ask since we're doing this and it's too late but is there still an audience that needs us i think so i mean i think so because even i wouldn't say it's, it's becoming more, more mainstream um I, I it's, it's it's hitting awareness but it's it's i think it's still really far from mainstream the, the to be thing honest. is i've seen that it's just for me it's like media frenzy in a way i mean you've seen it in the, in, mm. in the last year or so a lot of media outlets are because for them that's a rarity right if you try to find child free articles from five years ago you're going to find some but not as much as you find that have been written in the past two years yeah. um i think people are being just more interested in that kind of lifestyle because Yes, there is more of us. Uh, I read somewhere that the um, in the U.S., 
the um, percentage, not the percentage, the, yeah, I, I, I remember, I remember if it was the percentage of the amount of child-free women have doubled in a generation. So that's, those are big numbers. And that's going to become even bigger with people who are a lot younger, because like I said, they're growing up, you know, with more choices, more information, more education, which is great. But I don't think it's the case in countries that are underdeveloped. If you see most of those articles have been written by media outlets in the States, in Europe, in Australia, Latin America, for example, uh, and speaking from my own experience, there's still a long way to go to get there. We're way behind. And don't even get me started about Africa or Asia. So there is that disparity, of course, between the countries that are developed and have more access to not only information, but also resources. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day. So you guys know that Venezuela is in the middle of a very hard uh, political and economical situation right now. Colombia is the first. So there's a lot of migrants that have left Venezuela looking for, you know, better place for them to be able to, you know, raise their families or just survive in general. And the largest amount of refugees from Venezuela are here in Colombia. And you see a lot of them with babies, the kids, babies, and they have been, I mean, they had to leave their country, you know, literally walking out of their country, no money. They're walking, you see them walking all over the roads in Colombia just to get to the big cities. And they come here and they're in the, in the traffic lights and cleaning your windows or selling candy and you see them with babies. And everyone's like, well, that's so ignorant. And then when you ask them, because if you take the time to talk to them, they'll tell you there was no access to birth control in Venezuela. Nothing. Condoms, none. Pills, none. There's nothing. There's not even access to toilet paper. <laughs> wow. So how would you want these people to even, I mean, as educated as they are, if, if there isn't any resources for them to actually have to be able to prevent pregnancies, there's no way, right? So this is a disparity that there is between the, the more developed countries and the less developed ones. Um, and I think that definitely internet is a great way to spread a message because nowadays everyone's connected all over the world. Mm -hmm. And English being the language that is most universal to, you know, broadcast things, that's one of the reasons why I decided to uh, make my podcast in English and to spill around it because I wanted to spread faster. That's a really, yeah, that's a really interesting perspective. And I think that's what makes this project so exciting is because we are in three different locations. And, you know, I mean, if you look on the map, we're not super far apart. Like, Chris and I are in North America, but our countries are quite different, even in what we have access to and what we don't, you know, and Isabel, like that, as I listen to this, I go, wow, like I, <laughs> I never have anything to complain about again. Like I have nothing to complain about because life is pretty, pretty delightful here. You know, it's not that I don't have my own problems and whatnot, but you know, my, I got like a whole closet full of color paper. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, like just that alone, it's like... Yeah. Fantastic. Um, I still think it's far from mainstream because I think of my own small social circle of Canadian friends. You know, we live in the same province and most of them have children and it still never occurred to them that that was an option. You know, I mean, they're happy parents from what I understand, but, you know, even just connecting with certain people around my country and beyond, it's like we're all just kind of awakening to this. 
And from, from now, like the past year, I've gotten to see a lot of, you know, blogs and podcasts and articles and whatnot. And it's, it's really opened the world. The child-free community is really open to me. I didn't know it existed prior to last year. So it seems like a lot. And maybe because it's like, you know, when you buy a car that, and then suddenly you see your vehicle everywhere, like I, it's just kind of like, oh, suddenly everybody has the same vehicle that I do. And I never noticed this vehicle before. That's kind of maybe, that's how it feels to me. It's like, oh, child-free is everywhere. But really it isn't. You know, like right now, because it's so, it's my life, my daily life. It's all about child-free everything. I consume so much child-free content that it does seem like it's because it's mainstream. But really, like you look at the TV shows and, and movies and, you know, uh, mainstream entertainment really does not feature anything that describes us. Like I was just watching a you know Friends episode while eating breakfast, and you know Rachel's character gets pregnant. Well, you know as we know Jennifer Aniston, we revere her in the child free community because she doesn't have kids. I don't know what her real story is though. I don't know, but her character had a baby, and you know I mean like I watch that and I go, and then of course Monica and Rachel are trying. No, Monica, sorry, Monica and Chandler are trying for a child, and I'm like. Oh God, like you guys, like, you know, it's, it's just like, I watch it now as a 36 year old woman who is happily child free. And I go, it, it, it changes how I view that because I realize how important this choice is to me. And so I don't see it represented on television mm-hmm. in a positive way at present. So, you know, I don't feel it's in the mainstream at all. Yeah. Even Phoebe carried, like, even though Phoebe didn't have, yes. kids, at the very least, she did carry and give birth to children. Yeah. Her brother's triplets. Yeah. <laughs> I so know. <laughs> but this this show is 20 years old, right? You want to feel old? It is. Yes, it is. Let's That's talk about true. something more recent. So you guys, have you watched the, the Big Bang Theory? Oh, God, yeah. I, I will not watch that finale. It pissed me off. And I exactly. knew it was coming. Oh I, I wrote it. That's my most popular tweet on my bitchy bookkeeper Twitter. <laughs> because I made a meme. I was so angry. I, I knew they were going to do this. I knew oh, they were going to do this. I, I The minute, like, my heart was... Pound, okay, this sounds ridiculous, but it's <laughs> my heart was pounding the entire episode because I knew and I was dreading the fact when they were going to make Penny pregnant. And when it happened, I was I was furious. And yes, I know it's a TV show. Yes, I know that they were doing it to beautify. No, it's not just a TV show. It's never just a TV. That's show. true. You're right. You're right. Absolutely. But and it, it, it it made me angry, and it, I wasn't the only one. And I made something oh. for Twitter. And that became my most popular tweet because I was like, this is ridiculous. And I mean, I'm a person that sees both sides of things. Like I understand what the writers were doing, but speaking. Those those writers were doing nothing but being fucking lazy. They were being uncreative. They were being lazy. They were catering to some whatever. Something that actually makes no sense because maybe they're cowards. I don't know, but that, that is just the stupidest, most like least brave, least imaginative. And also just terrible, right? I mean, it's not true to the characters. And so it's like, it's like yeah. getting to the end of a really good story or something and having mm-hmm. someone go, oh, I was just dreaming. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. I know. It was, oh so, God, it was yeah. so flippant. It was so flippant. When it's like, oh, well, you know, yeah, she didn't want kids, but she just, yeah, she decided she, it was okay. Like it was, it was like a one line of the most stupidest response. And I'm like, it just, oh. I was already pissed off at them because of Bernadette. <laughs> Because she yeah. didn't want to have kids. And they had her have, not one, oh. two kids. Two. What the fuck? Well, they had her marry Wallowitz, first of all, <laughs> which was already like, I mean, I love that show. I have, except for the finale, I have, and Bernadette, I, I, 
I'm a fan of that show, Happen. I love and it. And I fell in love with it. Like, I wasn't intending to like it, but I did. So, I mean, Wallowitz I, you know, the kind of the sexiest of all those guys. Who? Pardon? Wallowitz is not. Oh, oh. Come on. He's so confident. He's so, like, he knows himself. <laughs> he's really <laughs> he's, like, he's the size of my, he's oh, the size of my oh. finger. It doesn't work. Well, he's not physically <laughs> sexy, but his attitude. <laughs> I, I love all the I love all the characters. Like, okay, well, maybe it's not like a giant. I'm not. I'm five foot two. But I'm not. Like, still, I'm Bernadette. Uh, no, it's like, oh, I, I don't know. It's just, I, th- I think that's when I realized how passionate I am about not defending the child free community, but but it, or standing up for it. I don't even know. Just wanting to show it in a positive light, like it's not a negative thing. You know, I mean, we're not childless. Like we have realize that this is how we want to live and like every other group out there wants to feel represented they want to be heard and like i said i'm not a person that just sits silently like i was the person in school that would defend my classmates to stand up to the teacher to defend my classmates even in college so that we were heard for whatever reason even if it meant me getting a massive grade reduction because the gym teacher didn't like me saying hey you never show up why are you giving us all lousy grades you know like i was that person (laughs) Mm-hmm. You know, I'll put myself in the line of fire, you know, happily to say, look, we we deserve or we're, we're here. Not we deserve. Like we're not. I don't want to get into the entitlement thing, but, you know, we exist and we matter and we have something to offer. So that whole big bang, the way that was handled, it, it just it feels like it's so flippant. And it's like it's like a fly. It's like we're like flies and they're just kind of like. Oh, whatever. Like, you're just annoying little people that are only like one point, like a tenth of the population or whatever. Mm. I'm curious about Colombia. Like, if you were to advertise this in in Colombia, like, if you were to be known to be speaking on this um, podcast about this particular subject, like, if you theoretically wanted to put up, um, you know, little uh, like flyers on wherever flyers go in place, like in coffee shops or whatever, to say, hey, listen to this podcast, would people look at you funny would you get in trouble would there be like how how serious like in the culture in Colombia how serious are they about um your role as a woman um I don't think I would get in trouble though you know look at me like I'm crazy uh because everyone here wants kids but do they really want them or do they think well you're supposed it's just a thing that they think they're supposed to do and um (laughs) you know it's funny because I just feel really bad for most of my friends because they really didn't think about it. They just did it. And I don't even know. I only know about one who told me specifically, I'm unhappy. I didn't want to get married. and I didn't want to have a kid. And now she has both husband and kid. And that broke my heart. But the rest of them, I have no idea because they all, you know, you see the Instagram pictures and they're all the baby and it's happy and the Facebook. And it's just like, you know, that's not the real life. They're struggling everyone struggles, you know, you don't post on Facebook or Instagram what you're struggling with. Um, hopefully they're not struggling about the fact that they became parents and they didn't want to, hopefully. I don't know. But here it's, it's like the thing that you have to do in a way you're, you're born a woman and your role is find yourself a husband. Hopefully your husband's going to make more money than you because otherwise that's, uh, you can't, you know, <laughs> no, don't even. And then, uh, get married uh, get pregnant, and then if he makes enough money to, you know, be able to carry all of the costs and everything from the home, and you include it, and stop working, be a home, uh, you know, stay at home mom, 
and then wait until your husband retires and your kids leave the nest and then die, which for me is hashtag spiritually boring. (laughs) (laughs) It's awful. Awful. (laughs) Not the spiritually boring. Yeah, no. And it's hard for me to go out there and be vocal about this. And maybe when we, when we have, when we do the episode of on child free girls about dating, that's going to be interesting. How do you tell a Colombian guy you're child free? That is, I can't even tell you guys. Um, We'll talk about it later, but you know, uh, it's, it's, I want to know. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm very excited. We'll, we'll save it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So it's really one of those things that um, here it's still very, very much uh, frowned upon because we are very, this culture, my country, and I, I think most of Latin America is still very, very deeply rooted in, in, in religion and Catholicism and, and the families being the, the center of everything. Family, it's very family centered, the, the whole social scheme of everything. And family here means husband and kids. So you can't, if you have a husband, you can't call yourself family, just you and your husband. This is something that Dr. Amy Blackstone discusses in her book. We were talking about this as well, you know, the whole meaning of, of, of family, changing that. But here, if you don't have kids, you're not allowed to call yourself a family. I, I think I'm a family with my dog. <laughs> nobody, nobody tells me, you know, family, dog, like what? But nobody tells me what yeah. to do. You know, it's me and my dog, so... So yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting chat. Um, but we're running out of time, girls. So before I let you go for this podcast interview, I just want to ask you just a quick one. What would be the most amazing thing that could happen to child-free girls down the future? Like the thing that you would say, oh my God, we made it. I think if we did Oprah Winfrey's Super Soul sessions, if we were invited to do that show. Yes. The three of us on stage somewhere, you know, to because I... Yeah. Oprah will always be my gold standard, not just for the child-free thing, but just on how we built a brand. Like I, I look at it from both sides, getting our message out there. We were passionate about something, how we built this brand, you know, the three of us being on stage, explaining that and also our passion about being child-free on that setting, in that setting as an invite to as you know, on her, her super soul sessions show would be phenomenal for that would be my thing. Yes. Kristen. I like that one. Um, the farthest I would probably like, I wouldn't have even thought of that. And I would love that way more than what I'm about to say. But what I probably would have said is some sort of like, um, I probably would have gone to NPR. Like if we were on in, instead of just, you know, a little regional NPR, it would be national public radio on something like, like being interviewed by Terry Gross or something. That would be pretty cool. But I do like, I was, I watched Oprah's masterclass and I love it. And in her very first one, she talks about her decision to not have kids and the importance of that choice to any future kids. And so I think, I actually think she would appreciate this quite a bit. So maybe that's a possibility. No. Yay. I'm putting it out there. I think, <laughs> big, I think big. So everything that happens is fantastic. Like just doing this alone is, is awesome. Yeah. You gotta, you know, we're building. I'm not ready for that stage yet anyway. So yeah. no, 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 we're building think, to get there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, what about you, Isabel? In my case, it would be the three of us giving a TED talk. And oh, uh, that would, there. Yeah. Look at who, why are you? Wait, Kristen, this, 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 is, like, this, no. this is This is the same as Oprah's uh Super Soul sessions. It's no different. No, if you're on a TED talk, you have to like deliver some sort of speech or some sort of monologue. I am not a public speaker. I'm not a prepared speaker. I'm a horrible, awful, terrible, ineloquent, absolutely <laughs> terrifying, 
No. It's okay. You could sit. Isabel and I could go back and forth and Chris and Chris. No, we we can work on that. Like the moment no. we get invited to a TED Talk, I'm going to, I mean, Chris and I have, I know this, she's like the best public speaking coach. <laughs> I'll call her up to give us tips and you're going to be up there with us yeah. in a TED Talk and we're going to stream that shit all over the world yeah. and it's going to go viral. That's, that's my yeah. thing. No, we have. I mean, if you two go, I'm going. I'm not going to step out. I'm not like. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I don't like being on video. I don't like the fact that any of that would be filmed. But this is why I'm partly doing this is to get out of my comfort zone. So the whole point is like we're starting here, and by the time we get there, Kristen, you'll be like out speaking both of us. And (laughs) no, I mean it's 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 also personal growth. This is yeah. also personal growth for each of us in Absolutely. our own different ways, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. You know, it's just, it's going to be public, which, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Well, this is the time we have for today. I'm so happy you guys could make it here, talk to me, like we talk in our chat, but just seeing each other's beautiful faces. Um, guys, uh, the next episode of Child Free Girls is airing on the 25th of August, and we're talking about... We will be talking about parenting by circumstance, or as Chris likes to call it, child-free parenting. There you go. <laughs> That's going to be an interesting one. So uh, hopefully we'll get to see you. Uh, well, you'll get to see us talking about this. I'll leave all the links to Child Free Girls and to Kristen's and to Lenora's Instagram and account so you can follow them as well. Uh, thanks, guys, again for being here, and uh, we'll be speaking very soon. Thank you for listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. We hope you tune in next week for our newest episode. And since we love hanging out with you, please be sure to follow us on social media at The Honest Uproar and visit our website at thehonestuproar.com. If you like what you heard, feel free to share with your fierce, child-free firecracker friends. Until next time, Continue fueling your inner fire.